Hey, everybody, we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winter, and I'm here as always with Dr. Bear Paul Lando up here on the beautiful Smith River on the border of California and Oregon in the great state of Jefferson. Uh, stormy day once again, uh, which we love. It uh, fills up the river and um, our cisterns and uh, is uh, the embodiment of life. So bring on the rain. I mean, it has been kind of endless rain. We did have two days of sun, though, this week. So we're able to get out in the garden and get some work done. But looks like we have more rain and more rain and more rain. So uh, it kind of comes with the territory living here in the lower uh, Pacific Northwest. And I personally love it. Uh, meditating outside with flowing waterfalls and streams and the Smith River in the background. You really can't beat it. So um, we, we, for those listening in the co-op that we're going to come to our pruning party on Saturday, I will post this on Telegram and Discord. Um, the permaculture workshop is going to be canceled due to the rain. Um, we just, we want to make sure we have a good event. And um, with the torrential downpours ahead this weekend, uh, it seems like we'll be more wet than um, than <laughs> anything, and it just didn't seem like it's a it's the right time. So we're gonna we're gonna put that back a couple weeks for more favorable weather. So uh, I will send out an alert uh, to everybody in the co-op that was hoping to come on Saturday and let you guys know when we reschedule that. Uh, we are about to launch the Reunion Summit website. Josh and I are, uh, and the Alpha Vedic team are looking to do that on Monday, hopefully, finally. So thanks for bearing with us on that. And then, of course, we will be at Anarchopoco in a couple weeks. So uh, keep an eye out for that. We'll have our digital booth there where you can come and say hi. Go to, An um, go to Anarchopoco. Actually, um, in the show notes below, um, we'll have a link to that through our affiliate link so you can get a discount for your ticket. And I believe there still are in-person tickets available if you want to go down to Alcapoco and join in the festivities there as a VIP. But if not, there are viewing parties all over the world and you can join us um, and um, come say hi uh, at the digital booth. And then, of course, Dr. Bear Lando will be talking uh, on the Health and Wellness Day. So that is really exciting, and uh, that's definitely one uh, that you don't want to miss. Uh, that day is packed full of wonderful speakers like our friend Andrew Kaufman and um, Dr. Batar and um, all sorts of, uh, of people that are really kind of putting their neck out on the line with everything that's going on in the world. So uh, we're excited to be a part of that event. Uh, and if you are new to the podcast and are wondering what the heck we're talking about or who we are, go to alphavedic.com, A-L-F-A-V-E-D-I-C.com, and you can find all about all about us there. Today, we are so happy to have Dr. Gabriel Cousins with us. Um, this is a special treat for us. Uh, the Tree of Life community is a global online place for awakening led by Rabbi Gabriel Cousins, MD. It is dedicated to supporting the awakening of the planet, both individually and collectively. Gabriel Cousins functions as a holistic physician, homeopath, psychiatrist, family therapist, Ayurvedic practitioner, and a Chinese herbalist. 
I mean, that's basically Alpha Vedic in a nutshell right there, Bear. Um, in addition, he's a best-selling author and considered one of the leading live food vegan medical doctors, holistic physicians, and the world expert on spiritual nutrition. Uh, Cousins graduated cum laude from Amherst College, where he was captain of an undefeated football team and received an MD degree from Columbia Medical School in 1969. He completed a psychiatry residency in 1973 and served as a lieutenant commander in the U.S. Public Health Services Service. Uh, Dr. Cousins was the chief mental health consultant for the Sonoma County Operation Head Start and a consultant for the California State Department of Mental Health. He is a former member of the Board of Trustees of the American Holistic Medical Association, the AHMA. Dr. Cousins has published numerous scientific papers, and since 1973, Dr. Cousins has presented seminars on topics including health and nutrition, psycho-spiritual healing, meditation, and spiritual awareness. Dr. Cousins is internationally celebrated as a spiritual master and rabbi with extensive study and personal experience in three major spiritual traditions that have given him a unique, authentic, interfaith, and unified worldview. Together with his background in Taoism, having studied at the main Shaolin Temple in China, his many designations attest to a dynamic, eclectic, comprehensive body of practical knowledge that creates the foundation for his unique teachings on holistic liberation and live food veganism. In 1986, Gabriel Cousins, MD, planted the seed for the Cousins School of Holistic Wellness, which now offers the world's first live food vegan master's program in organic uh, veganic farming in blue-green architecture and building interdisciplinary technology for creating fully holistic infrastructure for communities. He is the director and founder of the Tree of Life Foundation, which now has 32 centers throughout the world. His Tree of Life Center uh, in U.S., located in pristine Patagonia, Arizona, has been called by Harper's Magazine, one of the world's best 10 yoga and detoxification retreats. Wow, what a life. Um, pretty impressive. Dr. Lando, how are you today? I'm doing great. And uh, wow, Gabriel, this is such a treat having you here today. And, you know, we had a, a really fun pre-chat here and I, uh, and, you know, you and I, uh, thank you so much for being here. Uh, you know, it's just, it's uh, really a big deal for us. So thank you. And, um, you know, you and I have had a lot of parallel experiences in life and it's really fun to see that somehow we went from being football players to uh, lifelong vegetarians. And uh, so I kind of enjoyed that little aspect. But boy, you have such a, a, an interesting uh, life experience and depth of knowledge. And I'm just looking forward to sitting back and, and listening to you today. So, you know, anywhere uh, you want to take it is going to be fantastic. Um, so thanks again. And um, and I know uh, you might have a little special treat to start things off here today. So, so the okay. floor is yours. Well, first, thank you for having me. I love the, what you're doing and the group of people that gathered around. It's just uh, really part of my life. So I really, really love it. I am going to start with a prayer of merging the heavens and earth and really heart and mind, which is the disintegration that's happening here. And the whole movement is to bring heart and mind together and really unify with the land in that way, too, uh, connecting with the living spirit of the land as well. So the prayer is this. Thank you, Dr. Lando. Um, 
Okay. <clears throat> this is a, a prayer that Thank I you. believe. Yes, you're welcome. I, I believe that the Essenes actually probably did as part of the morning prayers. Um, it's a fundamental prayer unifying, again, heavens and earth, heart and mind, which is key for spiritual life. So yes. do you want to start with some questions? And we'll well, I think uh, the idea of, of <clears throat> being tied to the land is so important because that's we we've done podcasts on agrarianism and of, of course the background with alpha vedic in terms of uh the biodynamic farming and the permaculture aspects and everything we're all about that's why we stress that is because there's a reason why we're here on this great garden planet to begin with we are the garden keepers and that is the you know, integral connection we have with the land in our spirit. And that's something I think a lot of humanity has lost. And going back to that, I think is a massive part of the solution moving forward, which is what, you know, when we had you on the grand conjunction uh, meditation, that was a big theme, right? Was we're moving forward into something new as a collective consciousness, as, a, as humanity. And I think a very important aspect of that is the land. So I'd love to know currently what you're doing on the land and the late, you know, you've recently moved and give some insight to our audience about everything you're up to and where you're at now. I think that's a, a great way to start out if that works for you. Sure. So the, there's a a trend. I, I talk about it in my book, Into the Nothing. And that trend is following that voice of God. And that's kind of a theme in, in my life. So when I was one, I had tuberculosis. Well, 1943, that's a death sentence. But somehow I survived. And then I actually faced death in a variety of ways, including my brother when I was 16. And then I began to meditate naturally, spontaneously. At that time, the idea of meditation was very, very foreign to almost everybody. Now it's pretty common. And that progressed. I had the question, what is the meaning of death? Okay. And then I didn't really get an answer until I worked with uh, Swami Muktananda, 1975, I received that descent of energy, uh, grace that awakened what, uh, what we call in the East, the, the Kundalini, what we call in the West, the Ruach HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit. And then that actually was a major change factor in my life. Um, now, I was uh, and had been working with agriculture for quite a while uh, before that. And mostly our focus was organic, veganic, uh, with a lot of interesting energy things, playing music to the plants and having uh, energy, energy devices in the middle of a circular gardens. And it was a lot of fun. And uh, I, as I mentioned to you folks earlier, I, we, you know, we had 11 pound carrots and actually 19 pound beets um, wow. That, that, that's a big beat. The that's truth is, huge. that was so big that it took a week to eat. 
And how was the was fl- how how is the fl- how is the flavor? It was it was okay, but I liked the smaller <laughs> beats. So at that point, I said, okay, I don't have to do anything fancy. Just the good uh, double dig, you know, natural thing. We, we never we never use anything but totally natural type of things. Now we have uh, in Arizona, we had a totally vegan uh, uh, garden, which means no animal uh, in in the the, uh, earth. So without any compost that that, uh, from cows or horses. So we did it all. It was very, very good. And we used the kind of a, a special concentrate of uh, 82 different um, bacteria called effective microorganisms. And we use certain ratios of uh, sea salt, one to a thousand, one, one to 10,000. Things grow even in the desert. And of course, the gardening is always different in different places. So we've been involved. I've been involved with this for quite, quite a while. Uh, you know, 50 years. So it's part of it. Now, my take on it, because I'm not real, I mean, I, I garden, but I'm not really a farmer. My take on it is not as one with the living planet. One with the living planet. And so it's a, it's a different kind of experience because Whatever is happening to me is happening to the planet. Whatever happening to the planet is happening to me. So there's a oneness there that's evolved. So I, I, can, I feel it. It's not the same as hugging trees, okay? Because that's still you hugging a tree. It's the sense of oneness with the living planet, which is, a, a let's say, a not the usual way of talking about it. So that's what's evolved for me in, in that. So wherever you go, I'm connected to, to garden. So that's the, the key to, to kind of my feeling about gardening and playing with and working with the life force. It is about connecting as part of the living planet, not protecting the living exactly. planet, being the living we- planet. It's a, it's a different concept. Go yeah. ahead. We- lot about how when you are farming or gardening how you get attuned to the resonance so that there's a seamless connection between yourself and the life forms that you're cultivating that's right that's the the, the key and the earth because as i got deeper into gardening i realized the key is the earth how do you take soil like living in the desert how do you take soil and make it come alive again? Well, that takes a little bit of time, but it's like activating the soil. It was really where we were more very successful that way. Uh, where you you folks are, you don't have to do too much about activating the soil because uh, you you have a very living soil there. So it's what needs to happen around the planet is bringing the soil back to life as part of the story. Now, I do a lot of programs, uh, diabetes prevention programs and organic, organic agriculture programs around the world. And so we've encouraged in Africa, for example, organic, organic farming. 
you know, where, again, we create a living soil for people. And that's what we're, we're doing in, uh, here in Israel, although I'm not like uh, ahead of it, but I certainly support people doing that. And it's, uh, it's really fun to be part of. Uh, but it, it's kind of the background of my living experience. I'll, I'll put it that way at this point, rather than the foreground. My foreground is more about helping the planet spiritually wake up at this at, at this point, because that is what I see mm -hmm. is needed. Relating to the living planet is, of course, part of that. But there's a bigger picture where people uh, need to open up their consciousness to the fact that we're in a very special time of awakening. And it's a, it's a choice time as well. So yes. that's what my emphasis is at this point. And most interesting is uh, you live in a very unique part of the world with a rich history. And uh, some of the early tribes will say that lived there, uh, you know, and I, I've always been uh, uh, very interested in studying the, the Essenes and, uh, uh, you know, groups of people like that, that were very much naturally attuned to everything you're talking about there. So maybe that would be a good segue into some of, uh, you know, where they were at, uh, you know, and going beyond agriculture, but just maybe more, uh, you know, what we'll loosely call the spiritual realm. So I've studied the scenes extensively and kind of relate. I've talked about the six foundations, sevenfold piece that I've created based on the earlier scene work, at least how Dr. Seke saw it. Um, they were connected to the earth, but at the same time, that was four hours of, of farming and four hours of some kind of service, four hours of study. They divided their day up in a very organized way. Now, we uh, used to do fasting, spiritual fasting retreats near Qumran. So I've been there many, many, many times. Plus, it's right near the, the Dead Sea and actually the Jordan. So I kind of tracked where we believe uh, uh, Jesus uh, took his mikvah, what people, what was baptism, and actually went in the Jordan at that place. Uh, they, everybody kind of wears some clothes, but I kind of went around so people couldn't see me, and I did the actual mikvah, where you don't do it with clothes on. Um, <laughs> just going to do it, do it the way people used to do it. So that whole area is a very, very special place. And these scenes, again, were focused on spiritual, but not just spiritual. They were very focused on service. Uh, yes, they meditated. The inner core, when we study it, were live food, vegan. Then there's another core that were more or less plant-based. Okay, so that they kind of had went up. Now, the other thing that people get a little confused about is they weren't that area. Qumran was celibate. They were like students and so forth. But if you go up to uh, the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus and John the Baptist were born, there was another whole Essene community that, that were more families. So people have an idea that the, 
you know, the scenes weren't families. Well, no, there were scene families, and they 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 brought a, a tremendous amount of spiritual energy to the whole area of around the Sea of Galilee, and they're also in the Carmel, and they're also in Damascus, and they're also in Lake Mariotis and Egypt. So they were in the whole area, and they had a tremendously positive spiritual influence. They were basically seen as the uh, enlightened prophets of the desert, as people related to them. And they often contributed to the different communities, not only just with healing, because they did a lot of healing with herbs and natural ways, but more spiritual healing as well. So they're, they're kind of these different dimensions of, of, the, of the Essenes. And, but mm -hmm. For us, uh, for most people these days, okay, the the actual scenes were basically ended when the Romans invaded. Finally, in, you know, uh, sixty to sixty-three uh, A.D., the scenes dispersed. Some went to Africa, some went here, some went there. Different things, um, but their energy of that pure life, which is what we're talking about, and living in a healthy way and doing the gardening and meditating and praying stays with us today. So they're uh, an archetypal energy at this point. Okay. Yes. Very few actual communities, but it's an archetypal energy that continues to be an inspiration to many people throughout the world. And that's how I, I see the Essenes in that way. Um, yeah. Gabriel, um, is there any, so you had the, what, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the Essenes, right? Those were like the three major yes. sects. And I would, yeah. I would say the Essenes were kind of, and to me, always seemed like the more mystical, mystical side. Um, and my question always has been, you say how they dispersed because of um, basically the Romans coming in. And I have some questions about the Romans these days, to be honest, and history in general, as I'm going down rabbit hole upon rabbit hole, <laughs> what, how history has been so obfuscated and, and manipulated. But um, my question is, it seems like there's a lot of elements of these scenes in, in this mysticism that connect to later Gnostics, Cathars and stuff and into Christian mysticism. Yeah. Is there, yes. do you, is there, have you researched that all and seen those parallels? I would totally agree with you, uh, uh, particularly early Christianity. Mm -hmm. um, for the first 200 years, Christians, as far as I understand, were at least vegetarian. Okay. We're, uh, so you you broke up there. Uh, that really came from Jesus. And yeah, you broke up there a little bit, Gabriel. Could you say that again, please? There's a whole area. Yeah, the early Christians for the, about the first 200 years, we're still vegetarian as a, as a group. Mm. So, and then that began to change. 326 AD and uh, Emperor Constantine and all that. But before that, the early Christians were, in a sense, uh, a lot of their roots came from a seed. And that, I think that's what, what we're, what I, how I see it. But I think that their influence is, is broader. It's, it's, it's an archetypal 
uh, energetic, of, of, of balancing with the earth and, and your own healing and spiritual life and service and charity. So that that is a big emphasis that the Essenes had. Mm-hmm. We've copied that to a certain extent. I, I have programs in about 42 different countries, which are about diabetes prevention and also organic, organic farming and whatever else is needed. So I also took that part of the Essene energy, which is service and charity. They were really known and respected and appreciated as people who were really serving the community in a, uh, a variety of ways beyond just being healers. That's well, a that, part and <clears throat> that makes a lot of sense as what Jesus's main message was. I mean, was service. Yes, yes that's exactly right. And what uh, and he, he, <clears throat> I can't say that he wasn't a seed, but I, if I look at the whole history, it certainly seems he was following the seed template. Mm-hmm. And the uh, from age thirty to thirty-three is kind of a time when you mature as an seed in the whole picture, and so that's exactly what was going on for him. There's a um, well. The one thing that I love about the Essenes too is this idea of the seven mirrors. Are you familiar? The Essenes, the seven mirrors, and it's they. It, you you talk about this archetype, um, and I really feel like it's interesting how the Essenes have become kind of more prevalent in the last 15, 20 years in the kind of Western mysticism again. It's uh, and it's um, I think it's time, right? It's time that they come back and. Because one, service to others and not service to self is paramount for this new age, um, this age of air, this age of connectivity. Um, but two, it just feel like there's there's so much that they taught that is invaluable for humanity. I don't know if you're familiar. I think it was a Greg, Greg Braden did a whole lecture on the seven mirrors of the Essenes. And that's when I, I loved Greg Braden back in the day, because that's what he talked about mostly. Now he's kind of gone towards scientism more. Unfortunately, yeah. I still really respect the man, but um, are you familiar with the seven mirrors and those teachings? And then the other question I had too, is there's that kind of story about Jesus. There's a lot of people talk about when Yeshua or Jesus went off in, um, you know, in, and kind of went through his maturation before he came back and did his teachings in his thirties. People say he went to the far East. Um, And my question is, is that, do you think, what is, what have you come to understanding with that? And is that something that potentially happened? And is there a connection between kind of the mystery of the Essenes and these far Eastern teachings uh, there? Well, there's two points. First of all, the seeds are also meditators, and um, which I tend to do. I mean, when I lived in India, I was meditating six hours a day, and I'm trying to meditate generally two hours a day because that's a place of transformation. It isn't clear whether Jesus actually went to India or it was John who went to India. Mm. Okay, but nevertheless, there was that influence on the Indian way, uh, and I I think there's some overlap. We also know from Abraham, Brahma, Abraham, that he sent uh, his later children to the east with gifts, uh, and we're only six hours from 
India. So it's not that far away. So I think, you know, we're not in America, I'm, we're not in America here. So that's actually pretty close. And it's really possible to do that walk and do that journey. And the Essenes were along the pathway coming back. At least the Qumran Essenes were. So I think there, there is a natural overplay that, that happened, but it may have been John uh, rather than uh, Jesus. We don't really know. It, it's a, it, people can't really answer it 100%. I'll put it that way. But there was definitely a flow, and the Essenes definitely were mixing with people coming from the east uh, just because they had to kind of come through that area as well. So I'll, I'll put it that way. The, the key, though, is the Essenes did emphasize meditation. Uh, and I'd like to see more of that happening in people. Uh, and that's part of my connection with the Essenes where is, is the meditating part of what, uh, what happened. Yeah, and that's a, a good segue. I, I into, think there's... Well, I was just going to make a comment. I think there's a lot of confusion these days with, uh, for instance, uh, veganism, vegetarianism, and, you know, what the Essenes understood, of course, I believe, is that, uh, you know, your temple needed to be clean. And also there's a certain resonant quality in flesh foods that uh, would really impede your progress on that level. And uh, today, there's, uh, there's a lot of people out there that feel that uh, vegetarianism is sort of a, a conspiratorial plot to uh, undermine the health of the population. <laughs> and, uh, you know, rather than actually understanding, uh, you know, the life force within food and the different resident qualities, you know, between the animal kingdom, the, uh, you know, vegetarianism, I, I've personally believe that someday we're going to look back at mediating the same as we look at cannibalism. It's just, um, anyway, that's, that's just my own personal belief, but, uh, any shed, uh, light you can shed on, you know, maybe why it seems that all of these more spiritually inclined schools and groups of people just naturally adopted vegetarianism. Well, as you put it naturally, I mean, it, Basically, the vegan or vegetarianism is taught in most of the major spiritual paths, but one. Okay, so why? So what I write in my books, and I explain it in a few different ways. One is when you kill an animal, you create pain, fear, and misery. Well, that goes into the flesh, and when you eat that flesh food, you're taking that pain, fear, and misery into yourself. So it, 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 and you're creating the, taking the agitation of the mind of the animal into yourself, which agitates your mind. So generally speaking, people figure this out and say, well, we can't really meditate with an agitated mind. So that's one part. Another part, and this is a little bit more from the Eastern point of view, which is the flow of the spiritual energy we call Kundalini. There's 72,000 nadis. Three main ones. The nadis is where the spiritual energy called Kundalini or the Ruach Kadesh flows. Three main ones, Ida Pangala and Shashumna. Now, what the key is, what I observed really and was part of my first book, uh, Spiritual Nutrition Rainbow Diet, is that meat, eating meat, fish, chicken, dairy, and eggs served as a sludge or block 
to the flow of the Kundalini energy. Okay, and I observed it very clearly because as a psychiatrist, I was treating people who got out of balance with the power of it. Well, what would they do? To self-medicate, they'd eat meat. Oh, that said, okay, I get it. So that was their way of slowing down the flow of the spiritual energy. Just the opposite is the diet that I teach is uh, 100% vegan, no death. That's another point. You're not taking the energy of death into your system and not just your physical system, but your subtle body systems and the five layers of the mind and so forth. So that's one thing into the koshas, five layers of the mind. But you're, you're also sludging the spiritual energy. And I saw that when people went to a live food diet, so I'm on a 99% live food diet, and I have been since around 1975, um, then there's a greater flow. So we become more easily superconductors of the divine. Because we're going to have nothing blocking the flow in the subtle channels. So I think almost everyone has figured out in the different spiritual paths that that's the best diet. The ancient rishis, thousands of years ago, that's what they basically did. They were live fooders. Now it's hard to do that in India because it's so much contamination. But thousands of years ago, they were clearly live fooders. That's well documented. So most people figured out that a plant-based diet and as live as possible helps you best helps you become a superconductor of the divine. So we see that in the different paths. So the as I say, the inner circle of the scenes practice that. Okay. As far as I can tell from the writing. Not all of them, but like the inner 25, so to speak, or you know, inner center. So they understood that not everybody was ready for it. So people were also just vegans, you know, or lacto-vegan or lacto, that kind of thing. So we have a, a spectrum. They weren't all life hooters, okay? But, but the core leadership in spiritual energy, as far as I can tell, was. So now we're looking at, I've got a few other points here. So we're talking about, eating a 100% plant-based and at least 80% live, I make it, I kind of did it, but I, as I say, 99 is better. Um, you enhance the flow of the spiritual energy. Okay, and you're also not taking in death. There's another subtlety is that the animals have an ego and they have a, a soul and the taking in the animal soul, uh, not that animals aren't very high in many ways, it's not the same as a human soul in terms of potential of evolution. So there are some teachings both in the yoga world, uh, and I'm going to say a scene as far as we do, is that we don't want to take in the, that uh, animal soul because it's going to pull us down in some way, take us more into the physical body. So these are the, some of the reasons. Now, today, it's also a health practice, okay? Because about 95, 96% of the pesticides, herbicides, and all the things that are out there are concentrated higher up in the food chain. So when you're eating that level, you're getting a lot more pesticides and herbicides. The difference 
is a uh, breast milk of a vegan woman has one to two percent of the pesticides and herbicides as that of a meat eating woman. That's significant for a growing baby and its neurological function. So there's some real valid reasons for doing that. So those are the different levels going on. So the health thing now becomes more of an issue. We know who's maybe up to seven years off their life. Um, they have 3.6 times more breast cancer and 2.3 times more colon cancer, about three times more prostate cancer. Uh, they have 30% uh, more heart disease for diabetes. Meat eaters have 35 to 50% more di type two diabetes. So it goes on and on. So obviously it's not good for your health. So there are lots of reasons not to do this. Plus the ecological reasons. I mean, a meat eater takes about 4,000 gallons uh, uh, you know, a day versus 300 gallons for a vegan. So they're huge ecological things. The same thing was, is with the use of land. So it goes on and on. Uh, animal agriculture is, uh, contributes to global warming. So there are many multiple reasons, but initially it was more of a spiritual reason, okay? Which is the flow of the spiritual energy, not taking on the animal soul and, and, and egoic structure. So those are uh, kind of a, a bigger picture. And the Essenes were definitely aware of those things. And that mm -hmm. was a little bit subtly talked about. Very cool. So, uh, I'll say one thing on that real quick. Um, it seems obviously that what we're talking about here is spiritual evolution to get to the point where it, it's a it's a biofeedback process too of of once you're <clears throat> gone to this diet and if you're doing it in the right intentionality it will allow you to as you say to be a super conductor of the divine and actually new biology is actually showing how the mechanics of that actually works within our cellular matrix with with the way water is actually structured and way how our cells actually create energy and there's a lot of like hardcore science supporting this now i will say that unfortunately just like anything in modern society we do have as um two voucher seven says here in the chat so many junk food vegans that are <laughs> unfortunately um uh kind of uh putting out the 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 image and the view that they are this vegan of high morality, but then they're going and eating a, an impossible burger or beyond burger or whatever. That is literally the worst thing you can put in your body that has those herbicides and has all that stuff in there that is corporate controlled, that is factory created vegan food. So on that same mindset, we get attacked all the time on this show by the carnivore scene for this very purpose. And it's like, yes, of course, the whole point of this is your spiritual path. And if you are on the correct spiritual path, you would know not to go to Burger King and get an impossible burger just because it's quote unquote vegan. So the point of this is where we are spiritually in tune. And I will say the other very important aspect of this is, is if you can grow it yourself and you are the divine creator yourself within the soil that you are actually putting the seeds in your mouth 
and putting that in the in the ground and growing that with your own consciousness inserted into that plant, you're going to go light years beyond shopping at Whole Foods in terms of going down this path as well. So that is an extremely important aspect of anywhere you get your food. And if you are, you know, and I obviously, Gabriel, there are other elements too with factory farming. There are bunnies and all sorts of animals slaughtered by turbines and by through the soy and stuff created for vegans. We understand that it's brought up a lot. However, if you are in the correct intentionality, you are, you have your own garden and you are really tapped in. I personally feel like this is the most ideal way to uh, be resonating energetically uh, on that higher level. So I just for, wanted for to sure. put that out for there. Sure. I think <laughs> the important point is you can always do things upside down and backwards and say, oh, look what they did. But the uh, intention was to eat as the Essenes did. And at least the way I discover it, how do I eat to become a superconductor of the divine? Now that doesn't, you can't eat your way to enlightenment. That's another little point, okay? But the point is, <laughs> no, of course you wouldn't eat junk food. Of course you wouldn't do all that because it, it doesn't fit the point which is how do we create a pure physical vessel to be able to hold the spiritual energy? And that's the key. And that to me is only one of the six foundations, which maybe I should go through for a moment, uh, that helps you become a, a spiritually awake person, a spiritually liberated person. And the six foundations, which uh, is about how to create quiet the activity of the mind to transcend the mind to be able to go into as i write my book into the nothing okay it's really important to understand we have to go beyond the mind so it's not just about quieting the mind so the first foundation is the life food but also spiritual fasting so we've been teaching literally spiritual fasting since 1983 okay and a lot of it is in israel in the future the second thing is some level of movement um we have the uh, my wife uh, gabriel you uh <clears throat> gabriel sorry to interrupt you kind of really broke up there could you start with number one again because i think it's really important our audience hears this yeah so the key is divide uh, using creating a diet that helps you become a superconductor of the divine which really is in a minimum of 80% live food. I'm more like 99%. Now I'm going to just add something because people say, oh, you get weak if you're a vegan. Yeah, if you're junk food. So at age 77, which is my chronological age, I'm doing 1,200 push-ups three times a week. 1,200, okay? And 80 pull-ups. So... What happened? You're supposed to get weaker. That's not happening. I'm getting stronger. I'm also getting more flexible. So you can't say, oh, the diet's going to make you weak. No, you can be a very strong uh, vegan. Uh, many good, you know, champion athletes are vegan. So I'm just making that point. So people kind of let go of that. If people want to live foolishly, that's we can't stop that. But it's the best diet for spiritual life. And it greatly supports actually uh, 
all levels of, of evolution. So your body can actually get stronger, more flexible, and have more endurance with age. I want to emphasize with age. So the vegan diet is very good that way, particularly the live food diet. Now, spiritual fasting is where we uh, more easily transcend the mind. We've been teaching it since 1983, okay? And uh, up to all this nonsense going on with the lockdowns and all that, um, basically we've been having two fasts a year in Israel, mostly, uh, again, near Qumran, actually. So that's one piece. The second piece is the uh, certain amount of flexibility. So I, I personally do yoga six days a week. And then there's Tai Chi, Qigong. I love sacred dance. Love to dance. Okay. So that's two. Three is service and charity. Because we open our hearts and we start connecting to other people in different ways. Fourth, if people aren't, are, are ready, is to work with the spiritual teacher, uh, which I did for many years, uh, seven years with Muktananda, 11 years with Swami Prakashananda. Um, and now I'm serving in that role for many people. That's just part of the evolution. You know, and we want people who have a lineage uh, of, to me, liberation, because that's the point of all this is to merge with God, okay? Uh, which is even beyond holiness. Holiness comes with it. So, and the fifth is as much meditation as possible. Uh, when I lived in India, I was meditating six hours a day, chanting, four and a half, chanting the name of God four and a half hours a day, doing service, raising my family, my two children who are now in their 51 and 48, you know, and, and grandchildren, it's fine, it's fun. Um, okay, doing that, and so, but the meditation needs to happen, repeating the name of God. And there's finally as much awakening and supporting of the spiritual energy known as Kundalini in the West, Ruha, Ruha HaKadosh, in more biblical terms. Uh, if you note, we talk about Jesus and the flames of fire above his disciples. If you remember that, right? You know that. Okay? That's the spiritual energy. That's the Ruach HaKadosh. That's what happened to Moses and Malzani. All the elders had these flames of fire. Uh, the 70 elders. But they, they couldn't hold it. Okay, so this is kind of the path and, and it weaves together. And here's the thing, it isn't really a path. It's a way of life. Because when you follow this way of life, you naturally uh, get more refined, your mind gets quieter, you're more peaceful, all these things happen. You get more healthy, but it's a natural way of living. That's the point. It's not a spiritual exercise or practice that can lead you to liberation. I call in my book into the nothing, I call it holistic liberation. Now I'm going to add something to that because from the Essenes, we have uh, what Dr. Seke had talked about that, you know, in essence, the sevenfold peace. Okay. So I talk about peace with the body, which is what we talked about peace with the mind, meditation, peace with the family. Now, what does that mean? Well, I talk about sacred relations because that in itself 
is a spiritual path. People get it. That's powerful. And then peace with the community. And it's having the right interface, particularly in today's world. Like, you know, the seeds were a little separate from the community in those times. Okay. And there was a reason for that because they had to focus inward and not be involved with the outer community so much. They helped, but they weren't living in so much the outer community. And then we have peace with all cultures. And as a Native American, sun dancer, eagle dancer, uh, we talk about Omatakiasin to all my relations. What are we talking about? The rock people, the living earth, the plant people. This is the Native American language. Fine. And the animals uh, people, and, and then finally the human people. So it's peace with all levels of culture. And then peace with the living ecology. And that means being one with the living ecology. And then finally peace with God. Now that's a little bit more from the Essenes. I, I kind of changed it a little bit. You said the angels that Seike talked about, they didn't really focus on that. He, it was like they focused only on God. They didn't want anything in between. So that was more the emphasis. So we look at 13, and 13 is Jacob's Ladder, which is a way of ascending beyond the mind to the heart of God. So that's really the path that I teach. It is a path of liberation, a natural way of living. That Because the minute you have a goal, what happens is you have ego. It's just a way of living, and it just unfolds. Mm -hmm. And you don't think about it. It's a great way to live. Like you folks are living that way. You, it's, a, it's a fun way to live. So I kind of emphasize it in that way. Create a, this joyous, spiritually joyous lifestyle that naturally takes you to these higher levels. That's really what I'm yeah. teaching. Yeah. And I, I think he hit it on the head there at the end, which is it's about fun. You know, a lot of people, because I've been in the health business and you just start to plant some seeds as far as a different way to live. And it sounds like a very harsh discipline way of, uh, <laughs> of leading your life. But in fact, it's actually the opposite. It's uh, so, um, so much fun in so many ways. You know, I forget where, but I think somewhere in the scripture, Jesus described it as the way, which of course, as uh, he actually used those words, I believe, correct yes. me if I'm wrong. And then of course, that's literally what the Tao means. It means the way. So it's, uh, you know, right on. It's just, uh, it's, it's a lifestyle and it's a lifestyle that you adapt because it brings you joy, not because you think you have a new list of shoulds and shouldn'ts. That's right. And spiritual joy is the essence in the sense of spiritual life because it's spiritual joy that helps connect you to the divine. You don't get the divine through depression and anxiety and misery. It's spiritual joy that really takes you there. So that those are, uh, I think, key to the teachings. Now, meditation and into the nothing is, is about the power of meditation, which wasn't as emphasized by the Essenes. I know they did it. I was, okay. But it's uh, all these things prepare you to go beyond the mind because they create a quiet mind, mm -hmm. which is key. And then you can transcend it. And then ultimately you disappear in the nothing. So in the Torah, it says you can't know God and live. Okay. What does that mean? 
well, it doesn't mean you die every time you, you know, but what happens is you lose your sense of I-ness as you merge into the one. That's what we're talking about. So that, that's way beyond the mind. And so my work, my book, latest book is nothing, is about emphasizing that going beyond the mind where you stop identifying as a separate ego. And meditation for me is a, a profound way and a steady way that everybody can do that really can take you beyond the mind. So a lot of meditation teachers are talking about, oh yeah, well, creating a quiet mind, it lowers your blood pressure, it's good for your heart. That to me is irrelevant. What's only thing it counts is, are you merging with God? And meditation is a powerful way to do it because it dissolves the illusion of a separate I-ness, which is really the path that's needed for liberation. So that's kind of the bigger picture. That's why I emphasize meditation so much. Okay. Yeah. And then I'm going to add that the meditation aided by the, in the Shakti pot, which I've been empowered to do, uh, even doing it over the internet, believe it or not, it's a surprise to me, but you know, necessity uh, kind of guides us to do certain things. So right now, I actually teach, I have meditation uh, twice a, well, really three times a week. Um, and I can give that Shakti Pada Ruha Kadesh through the eyes. It was shocking to me, but it worked. People are getting Gundalini awakenings and having these things happen. So uh, that's another kind of piece of the story is that uh, it can be done over the internet. I'd much rather do it in person, but it can be done over the internet. And I am actually doing it three times uh, a, a week. Um, uh, one of them is when I do the uh, Parsha, which is the, uh, the section of the Torah that you study each week. And I approach it from a liberation point of view. Uh, you know, as, as I, in my book, Torah as a Guide to Enlightenment, uh, which takes it to the kind of higher levels of what this is all about, rather than, oh, it's a set of rules. No, it's not. It can be if you want to be limited with it, but if you see the big picture, it's definitely uh, written at a deeper, deeper level about liberation. So, and uh, even has the transfer of energy. You know, uh, Moses gives the energy to Yehoshua and the spirit goes in him. That's exactly what we're talking about. And obviously, you know, that's what was Jesus was doing with his disciples as well. So it's all there. Okay. So it's, again, a way of life that is uh, multidimensional and really helps you live as a full human being. And that's all you really have to do. And if it's your time to be liberated, fine, it's your time. But don't worry about it and don't focus on it. It will take you there if that's what's supposed to happen. So it's a worry-free thing. You know, spiritual joy, that's the key thing because that's what connects you to your own heart and to everybody else's heart. That's, to me, the, 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 the things that I emphasize in, in the whole path. Yeah. And I think another aspect of that, too, that's important is the idea of community because a lot of people, 
I think people even listen to this that are more coming from the health and wellness side go, well, this is wonderful. But in my mind, what I, I'm thinking of a monk that's now gone and is, you know, and is isolated doing meditation for eight, eight hours a day. And there's a place for that. And that's important for the residents in, you know, uh, of the planet. However, what's, what I love about what you're talking about, Gabriel, is community and about actually connecting with uh, fellow man and women to uh, elevate um, the expression of freedom and liberty and, and all these ideas that are so important right now with the kind of control that we're seeing coming down on the planet. And there's a practicality behind it. When living in the way, you are now able to manifest easier, be happier, and extend out that Christ consciousness so that we can have a, a, a sort of revolution uh, and, and be on a, a happier plane, a happier realm of existence. So there is a practicality behind all of this. It isn't just pie in the sky, go meditate off in the forest and not come back. Absolutely. So I don't even think in those kind of extremes. I mean, yeah. maybe the Rishis were doing it 2000 years ago, but we have community here. I'm actually living in a community. Uh, and it's important that people support each other. We set up the tree of life, uh, which is a spiritual community, internet design to support people, literally. Uh, and I'm speaking and teaching like two, three times a week there in the community on the internet, but also people can... They need to connect with each other. If you look at the subtlety of the mask, which have not been proven to work over uh, 14 studies, so they don't work. I don't want to get into that so much. But what does a mask do? It separates you from other humans. And that's where they're trying to go. Community is just the opposite. So we emphasize strongly community, as I say, we live in a community of about a few hundred people. And there are communities all over here, uh, because that's the nat that's a natural social design. And all that happens within community. So I want to make that point that I consider that critical. And that's why we set that up on the internet as well. You know, it's, it's the tree of life community. So yes, very critical. We don't want to be separated. We want to keep that human. That's what makes humans human is, is community. So I definitely emphasize, and I'm going to make it step spiritual community because there's a lot of growth in that. Yeah. And uh, go ahead, Bear. No, I was just uh, one more comment. Again, not to get into the mass, but every face has a very specific geometry. And when we visualize that geometry, it carries a great resonance and a whole different level of communication between each other. So when we cover that up, um, we're, you know, it's, there's real science-based reasons as far as everything you just said was absolutely true. And metaphorically, we can't, we're designed to be the face of God and to see God face to face, you know, metaphorically. So when you block that, you're actually blocking the spiritual expression because we are all designed to, as they say, to be the face of God as we interface with each other. So, wow. Basically, where we are, uh, nobody's really wearing masks, you know, for, for those reasons. 
it's really against the deeper spiritual teachings. It's overtly against it because you and the face of God are one. And so you don't want to cover it because it blocks the spiritual energy. That, if we kind of understand the darker occult stuff, that's really part of the story. And I, I can't say that everybody understands that who's even promoting it. But we understand it from the other side. Yes. It must be the face of God. And we see each other as the face of God. We're, we're right now facing each other, the face of God. And that's key to really part of the whole spiritual communication between people. Yeah. That's why I, I call them muzzles, because literally you are muzzling your divine um, countenance uh, and, right. you know, your breath, too. We right. talk about breath a lot, the breath of God, right? Like you're literally. Oh, God flew into us and we became alive. <laughs> exactly. So the breath of God is extremely holy. So we have the breath of God and the face of God. And the dark side is, in a sense, wanting to block those energies. And that's part of being a human being. And, and I'll also say about it just on the social level we know people live longer when they're in community, when they're in relationship. We know. Uh, men and women live longer and also happier, uh, literally have half as much depression. That's a statistical thing, okay? So, wow, there, there's a bunch of reasons. When you isolate people, you have more depression, anxiety, and, and breakdown. So community's key. And, you know, spiritual joy in community, people uh, influence, and, and let's say, infect each other with spiritual joy, and everybody becomes uplifted. That's the beauty. And that's why he sees lived in community. Yes. Yeah. Finding your tribe is of utmost importance uh, at this time. It's something that we are really um, uh, spending a lot of time and energy on with at Alpha Vedic here with building our community uh, on things like Telegram and Discord and also with the upcoming Reunion Summit. We're calling it Reunion Summit for a reason. We are reuniting in our tribe uh, of like-minded people who see this as important so that we can have that community because I'm seeing the devastation being caused by all of these um, parameters set up by the 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 you know people behind the scientism um and the separation the social isolation i mean for the poor kids growing up right now who are now coming into a reality where um true interaction is done virtually through minecraft which is a video game or through you know these video games i've seen it with my kids and we live out you know in a beautiful wilderness and uh, you know my kids i'm like trying to get kids to come over and have play dates and stuff but their parents are locked in fear and like you know um aren't really open to that uh, there's a few but it's just so sad because kids more than like need to be interacting with their peers and and it's so crucial for their development so um my point of all this is like people listening is like there are people that are resonating with this and that's what alpha vedic community is all about like we are very much in tune with this gabriel and so it's more important than ever maybe even if i know people that are literally moving to go find that tribe and yes. and moving into new communities where like-minded people are having their kids play together without crazy gloves and masks on and stuff so um 
that's what we're all about. And um, I love the idea of, of coming together in communion and dancing and, and having that spiritual elevation. We need that more than ever. And whether that's done online virtually or ideally in person through festivals and all this stuff, which they've completely canceled here in the States, we sometimes we have to take steps to um, that might be deemed to be um, uh, not unlawful because these aren't real laws; these are mandates. But in our own divine right to to step over the line and 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 do what we know is right, and uh, that's what we're doing with Reunion Summit. That's what we're doing with Music and Sky in in June. We are having a festival on the. We were talking before the chat, Gabriel, uh, on the. It looks like the Eel River up here in Northern California, where people will be coming together and dancing under the in the redwoods, and and and, and celebrating life. That's where I was. It was the Eel River. The Eel River. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I. So Gabriel, I go ahead. That's uh, John Jevons. John Jevons. <laughs> you know John Jevons? Do either of you know John Jevons? He was a really, really I great don't, but I belong. And he taught. Okay, so he had a big farm on the Eel River and inspired many people. And actually, I learned a lot from him. I, I met him once, but I learned a whole gardening technique. So we're back to the Eel River. We're back to John Jevons. We're back Good. to gardening. I'm, I'm glad we figured but out. We're doing human gardening. <laughs> is and does happen in community and spiritual community because there needs to be that focus on God as it's just part of the human condition uh, to bring meaning and value into life at a higher level. So that's part of our emphasis and part of the community emphasis is to really have that. So that's Really yeah. important. People do get together. You know, it's like, okay, so you get together outside instead of inside because the state has certain rules, but it doesn't matter. Getting together is what matters. And so that's the beautiful and, thing. And, and people do not need to buy the story because, first of all, it's totally unscientific. The six foot thing, I won't go into all of that, the mass, but there's no science behind it whatsoever. They just made that up because they have a different agenda. So our agenda has to be following God's agenda, which is to live in community, support spirit, have people focus on God, and celebrate in spiritual joy. The whole thing of, of, of God awareness within and seeing that in each other. So maybe I'm going to end with that because it's so it's a good place to end. Uh, how important what you're doing and I'm kind of part of it on the uh, on the edge of it, so to speak. But I'm very happy to participate in your community, like what we're doing right now, is to bring that spiritual joy, that spiritual awareness. Again, I've been teaching meditation over the internet, um, which is actually what we did a little bit, you know, in, in the whole activation thing. So we do what we can, but we can do it. And the key is that gives people hope. Because it activates the love and joy in people's hearts. So yeah. I want to bless you two for the good work you're doing. And all the listeners that we feel inspired 
to connect as community, to connect as a, a blessing, to know the face of God, and to spiritually wake up on every level as multidimensional beings. Amen. Aho. Bobatakuas. And Gabriel, thank you so much for being here again. Uh, this has been delightful. You know, we've had a lot of talks about world events lately, but this is the best one yet because it's just been in uh, such an enlightening context. So maybe to finish off, can you tell our audience how they can find you and all the great things you're doing? Sure. So people can reach me at our community called treeoflife.mn, mightynetworks.co, or they just can go to drcousins.com and I'm doing a variety of things online because that's what we have to do. So we have spiritual fasts happening online on uh, April 27th. And then we have a, a course for the mind, what we call Yana Yoga for the mind. And we are, have regular support groups on Monday night uh, and on Wednesday nights to uh, have questions, spiritual questions, answers from teachings, reading of the Torah Parshas once a week, uh, more on Saturday evening. So it's a it's constant way of getting out to people and supporting people. Uh, and that's what I think needs to be done. So we have that tree of life community, .mn.co and then uh, Dr. Cousins. Uh, .co. And, and that is uh, .com, I mean, and that actually is a way to connect. You can just, if you can't remember anything, drcousins.com, that's pretty easy. And it takes you wherever you need to go. And that's our way of supporting people. And, you know, I mean, obviously we support people locally. That's a different issue. That's in Israel, but I'm talking about worldwide because it is a worldwide network doing so i invite people to to join that be part of it and celebrate the joy of god in all every aspect of our life wonderful Hey, thanks so much, Gabriel, for being here and closing out in that wonderful way. If you guys resonated with this chat, please, uh, I will have all of Gabriel's links in the show notes. Please go support him and uh, all of his projects. And um, I think, Gabriel, we have started a wonderful partnership here. And let's continue the connections. Um, we'll continue to support you uh, through our community and likewise. So please um, uh, send us any uh, future projects that are coming up and we'll post post uh, on our telegram and in our discord and put it out through our mailing list. And uh, we just are, are really blessed to have you on this, in this realm right now, doing the great work that you're doing. Thank you, sir, for being with us today. I am delighted to be connected with you folks. I love what you're doing. I want to support it. And together we change the world. Yes, sir. Wonderful. Back to the truth of who we are. Beautiful. <laughs> I love it. Okay, guys, I hope you enjoyed the talk. Um, please share this with friends and family. Hit the like, subscribe button if you're watching this on YouTube or, or whatever platform you're on. We appreciate and love you. Uh, get outside, get your hands dirt, grow something, go for a hike. Mother Nature is always the best answer. Thank you. Love you. Have a beautiful day. Bye.